Um, my mother-in-law, you know, who lives in New York, um, heard noises in her basement. She called 911. They came down. They said, ma'am, you have a gentleman in your basement. It turns out that it's someone, a local person from the community that has been working in a nursing home in the New York area where it was very, very hard hit with COVID-19 and apparently felt a little bit too much. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Okay, welcome back to another live broadcast of the Nursing Home Podcast. On this podcast, as many of you have come to know, uh, we like to deal with, address, and bring out into the open, into the open, you know, certain challenges, facets, parts of this industry that are not broadly spoken about, and that perhaps if you're a professional in the industry, you don't have the permission to discuss, or you're forced to into a certain opinion if you're on the regulatory side, if you're a service provider side, if you're a community member, there's just certain parts of the conversation which either we assume certain things about this very interesting in industry, um, or we project certain opinions. Over here, we'd like to bring it out into the open and kind of discuss them in a way that's real and in a way that everyone can uh, relate to. So I don't want to say, you know, with COVID-19 behind us, because that is certainly not the case. There's so many places, Beijing right now especially, um, but other places as well in the United States uh, where COVID-19 is spiking or, you know, resurfacing or surfacing for the first time. But there are other areas where it certainly has almost has significantly uh, taken a downtrend for sure in the New York area, which was a war zone a few weeks ago. Um, you know, thankfully right now, at least at the very least, it's a reprieve. And for some of us, we don't realize the effect that this has on the healthcare providers. We understand their patients and the residents themselves and the family members. But uh, sometimes we almost look at the health, you know, thank you, healthcare heroes and all that, those movements which are great. But at the end of the day, many times we don't realize the full extent uh, that this has on those that are in the healthcare industry. And I'll just, before we introduce our guest, I'll just lead with um, one true story that happened to my family personally. Um, my mother-in-law, you know, who lives in New York, um, heard noises in her basement and she was concerned about it. And she ran out of the house and she, she was hoping it was an animal. She realized that she forgot her phone inside. So she ran back in, she grabbed her phone. She called 911, they came down. And they said, ma'am, you have a gentleman in your basement. She obviously was not happy to hear about that. Like, come in and she, he thinks that, you know, he might know you, come in and identify him. And after she was convinced that it was safe, um, you know, she came in. And it turns out that it's someone, a local person, you know, that was familiar to her from the community that has been working in a nursing home, you know, for the last uh, years, but specifically has been in the New York area where it was very, very hard hit with COVID-19. And apparently felt a little bit too much and had to be transferred 
the facility that can deal with some of those challenges. So burnout, being stretched to the limit, seeing things that you know are not normally seen in the healthcare space is very real. And perhaps now more than ever, now that some of the healthcare providers get somewhat got and uh, somewhat of a reprieve, some of these issues now can kind of rise to the surface. So today we are bringing on to the nursing home uh, podcast, Kathy Perry. Kathy helps professionals stay energized, engaged, and effective, especially during disruptive events. Kathy holds degrees in business and food management from Miami University and is cert- certification in plant-based nutrition. And with no further, and it, Kathy is going to share with us some practical insights into how to deal with this very real challenge. So with no further ado, Kathy, welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're looking forward to sharing, you know, some actionable tips and even better understanding the challenge that we're in right now. So let's, if you don't mind, let's start from the very beginning and just getting a good idea of what the problem really is. How stretched are these teams right now? And uh, yeah, what is the situation on the ground? Yeah, well, they are stretched to their max. And and many of us through this because it's a disruption. And uh, I actually have come up with what I call the resilience curve. And right when that disruption hits, and I'll, I'll share it with your uh, listeners and viewers, right when that disruption hits, we're in shock, we're in disbelief. And then we all, so all of a sudden have this little rise and like, okay, well, maybe I can get through this. But then unfortunately, we seem to take this dip this dip, like, how am I going to get through it? What am I going to do next? What are my next steps? And this is all in this very first phase of being disrupted and the very first phase of the resilience curve. So everyone who gets disrupted is somewhere on that curve. Shock, disbelief. How can I get through this? And unfortunately, many of the nursing home professionals didn't have time to process this first phase. They just jumped into action. They weren't allowed to fully react and fully take everything in. So they're now backtracking and some of those reactions are coming out. Okay, so you've clearly been down this road before and you have an exact process for understanding how human beings react to disruptions. And obviously we all react somewhat differently, but in general terms, so we initially are going along our normal daily professional or personal lives. All of a sudden a big event hits so initially, it's, oh my, I just want to make sure I'm trying to process what you just said. Initially, it's, it's like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. How am I going to deal with this? Life is never going to be the same. I can't survive. And then it's like, you know what? Let me do this. I'm here. This is what was presented to me. Let me make this fit. And then there's a, there's a drop. So it almost sounds like we're doomed to failure. Is, is that correct? And, and how is what's going on now different? No, we definitely aren't doomed for failure, but it's definitely important to recognize that if you do get into that dip, there's ways, there's tips, there's techniques, there's ways to start reframing it. That's actually the next stage on the resilience curve. And and I don't mean to mitigate or anyone's reaction. There are different types of reactions. So actually, when I do programming for organizations, we talk about what are the different types of reactions. And just because someone else is having a very emotional reaction, someone else is stoic, no, this is my, this is how I get through it. We have to honor those different reactions, especially when we're working in a team within an organization. So someone might be way over here on the reactions and someone else is just 
I have no reaction. But eventually, we all have to deal with the situation. So that's when we start to reframe it and begin to kind of get some of those positive steps in there. But the situation that you explained at the start of the show sounds like someone who didn't get a chance to truly process the reaction at the beginning. They immediately got thrown into, okay, action, 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 reframe, reframe. And so unfortunately, I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing some of that slide back. Um, And that happens in the second phase and that happens in something we call doubt. So doubt and fear sneak in and we have to come back around. Even when we're trying to find all the good in what has happened, doubt and fear come back. So, okay. So in an optimal case of an unplanned, um, you know, extreme event, the, the better way to do it, which is obviously not always, which may not always be practical, you know, is to, kind of, is to deal with the event, is to have at least some sort of space or time to not just to, to go out of crisis mode for a minute, kind of look back at what's going on, understand what it is, and then move forward with a little bit more of a level-headedness with an acceptance with some sort of plan. I'm not trying to put words into your mouth. I'm just trying to understand. And if we don't do that and we do action, 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 that'll only go for so long until eventually uh, we can crash. Is that kind of, is that what you're saying? Yes, that really, that really sort of sums it up. So um, actually what I would suggest is part of crisis mode is to have those critical conversations. And it sounds, I've heard some organizations that do this well, um, but others are so much in crisis mode. They haven't had that chance to do some of that self-care for their professionals or even just to address mental health um, I like to say a good analogy and the one I use in, in my book, which is the rubber band resilient leader is if you stretch a rubber band and you stretch it really far, it can shoot across the room or it hit the ceiling, right? Cause it's holding potential energy. So when we're stretched really far, we're filled with potential energy. If you take that same rubber band and you don't do anything to it, you don't stretch it. It doesn't go anywhere. So part of this stretch is good. It's healthy. It helps us get things done. But the thing that we don't want to happen, and we've all had it happen to us at some point, we don't want that darn rubber band to to snap on us. It hurts, right? No one likes that. And that's my check-in point when I work with people. If you are feeling to that point where you might snap, you, whatever your telltale signs are, because we all have different ones. Are you short with your family? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you starting to feel depressed? Have you, has your appetite changed? Or can you not sleep? Some of these telltale signs that you might be stretching too far, that's the point where I say, okay, you might need some professional help. There's only so much an organization can do. But once we reach that point, um, I describe it, I have a severely disabled child And I I handled all of that. You know, she was only supposed to live to age two and I'm a caregiver for her. Um, And I managed all that without professional help. But when my marriage started to fall apart, possibly because of that child, I couldn't handle that. And that's when I said, okay, it's time for for professional help. So the stigma is gone, I think, in this country. I hope it's gone with anyone who might be listening today who's feeling that and would say, it might be time for me to get some professional help because yes, it's great to be stretched and use that energy to do better things, but you can't snap. And the situation you described sounds like it was time and, and the warning signs maybe weren't listened to. 
Mm-hmm. Well, so, but it kind of, I'm thinking out loud that it sounds like a little bit of a catch-22 because these events, by definition, are unplanned, unexpected, extreme events, and that required immediate action. If there's a death of a loved one, or if there's a car accident, or if there's COVID-19 outbreak in your, you know, nursing home or any other healthcare care mm-hmm. setting, or even if you're a store owner and you know, and all of a sudden you have to worry about, you know, COVID-19 and your, you know, what you have to do and so many other things going on. So it almost sounds like it's it's too bad because how is it possible to find that space when you need to take action? But let's take one specific case. Someone's a nurse uh, in the emergency room, you know, in the hospital and usually works maybe 40 hours a week. Now that it's being mandated by the hospital to work 80 hours a week and now is is working in a place that she's, if she wasn't already risking her life, but she was, now it's it's even more dangerous and the the threat is extreme, imminent, and all around. She has to walk around like a like a you know like a mummy, a zombie, or whatever, in all sorts of masks and gear that they don't you know, they don't usually wear. And there's no time to go and you know she's she's gonna go to a side room and say, I'm sorry, I'm reframing the current event. So like, excuse me, we just had nine people walk in the front door. All of them need immediate care. There's only two people. Reframe your events another time. And then they go to sleep. And many people have been doing this for two, three, four months already. What are they supposed to do to be able to have this necessary reframing conversation with themselves uh, while still managing the crisis? That is that is a struggle, especially with the number of hours that these people are putting in. Absolutely. And many of them might be you know, listening now. Um, but for your own mental health, physical health, everyone needs to claim at least that five minutes, that 10 minutes somehow to get back to your center, to get back to what are my next steps going to be for me? You know, the old, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You have to help yourself first before you can help anyone else. And maybe they're in a situation where they can't speak up and they can't say, I need this but they're gonna have to, because if they're getting to that place where they might snap, they're gonna have to come up with a way and leaders within those organizations are gonna have to come up with a way to give your people 10 minutes, 10 minutes to, and during that 10 minutes, offer the things that they might need, offer the resources. So here's a helpline setup that you could call. Here is a meditation room where you can go be still. Here are healthy foods that you can recharge. I know they don't have time. I know it's been an influx, influx over and over, but for their own mental health and their own physical health, organizations are gonna have to come together and recognize that you can accomplish a lot in even just five and 10 minutes, as long as it's focused on some of those resilient behaviors. What are gonna be the things? Got it, got it. So first of all, I did not realize that how that it was a relatively short process. It's not necessarily time consuming. And at the end of the day, and even taking it down from a from an organizational uh, standpoint, even from an, an individual nurse, I'm, I'm one nurse out of 10,000 nurses that work in this you know, um, medical system. However, for me, I know that, and the reason why I chose this profession is not for, um, for the money, right? The reason why I did it is because I care. And, this is how I'm choosing, this is how I'm going to you know, run my life, this is what my career is going to be like. Um, however, I know that I will not be as effective in doing what I need to do 
if, you know, if I cannot properly care for myself. So two things. Um, well, the first thing that I just learned is that this is not something that takes a very long time necessarily. Um, and this can be done in a matter of a few minutes, which even if it's against the rules, you have, you know, if the, if you want to end up, the options are end up in somebody's, a random person's basement asking for food versus continuing to serve those who you devoted your life to serve. And even if whoever you're reporting to doesn't understand that, too bad. You know, those are extreme uh, differences. These are life altering. But in addition, I, I'm, I'm asking for myself and for others who are listening, without changing an organization, I'm just let's talk to the individual. What, what are the simple things that they can do? I know you mentioned medication, med, meditation, professional help, and let's be eating uh, healthy foods. But let's take a specific case of a nurse. Was working at three o'clock in the morning. There's still tons going on, and uh, in some places in the country and in the world, this is exactly what's happening right now. And they feel like you know that dip is coming and it's coming, you know, and pretty deeply. So they're going to steal 15 minutes in a room by themselves somewhere. What do they do? Well, a really great thing to have set up before this, and I believe that every professional should have this, is your network who can who you can go to and it might not necessarily and i i actually tell people don't make it one of your immediate co-workers necessarily so there's groups online that are constantly available for support um get a team of three four five where you can go to them and say will you be on my resilience squad will you be part of my team can i come to you when i'm hitting that point so having that conversation ahead of time with other professionals who understand you. So maybe if it is that person who is on that night shift that she doesn't even know who's on the, the morning shift, but maybe they could make a connection and say, hey, would you be one of my people? So if I have to go to somebody at 3 a.m., would you take my call? And yes, would be the answer that every caregiver should say, because we have to look out for one another in this situation. So just in that 10 minutes, can I text somebody right away? Say, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. Can you talk me down? Can you help me through that? Um, so that'd be my first tip. Have your people lined up. Second tip is understand how to de-escalate yourself. A lot of us don't understand that because when we're in that moment, we are running on that adrenaline and that cortisol, and that's what's getting us through. And what do we do? We just do another caffeine drink. So I'm going to keep going. But really, your body is actually asking you to de-stress because it's giving you signs that are telling you your heart rate's elevated, you're breathing deeply, your blood's thin. So if you can download a med meditation app, sit and breathe calmly for just a few minutes, it actually tells the stress hormones, hey, the bear is not chasing me anymore, I'm okay. <laughs> just do that in the time or even just walk in the hall in between patients, uh, just, we don't do it often enough in our day, and instead we run around and, and want that elevated stress to get us through. So those are two tips. Um, third tip is to do a little pre-work. So you know you're heading into this stressful situation. Actually begin to uh, do a little bit of what I call it mind clearing before you go in and setting yourself up for the events that are coming so everything doesn't feel like a shock to the system. Sometimes we go into this, oh my gosh, that's happening, that's happening. Before you enter a shift or before you enter a situation, do a little bit of that mind clearing and say, this is what's going to go on. I'm here to serve the people. I'm a caregiver. I'm needed. I also have to take care of myself. 
just some of that mental mindset work is, is so key. So key. Fascinating. I'm mean, fascinated. Thank you for those very practical tips. And what I'm getting out of this whole thing is that many times healthcare workers, especially now, are in crisis mode and don't even feel like they deserve the space or the time to to have a self. They don't realize that, you know, and they know this because you're not the first person who has given that example with oxygen masks. They know that they have to care for themselves, to care for others, but they're like, yeah, 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 that's interesting, but I'm a nurse. No, my nurses, you know, used to tell me that, um, I mean, I know this, but I've seen it. You know, nurses make the worst patients, right? And this is true, because if a nurse has something very serious, and they're going to somehow convince themselves that it's safe to come into work when they're really not feeling well, talking about under normal circumstances, um, and they're going to make sure, hopefully not that, in fact, you know, the residents or whatever it is, or let's say they have a broken arm or something. And, you know, they may not even get it set for a week or whatever. We, we nurses make the worst patients. That's, and the reason for that is because they're other focused, right? And not just nurses, you know, physicians, people in the healthcare industry in general um, are other focused. So therefore, when they go through a time of crisis, I feel that all these people coming in, they need to help them. So, and, and in healthcare, almost by definition, um, besides for like maintenance healthcare, it's very just a crisis. And crisis is normal. And to some extent, it's great. And when there's, you know, some coding, there's an emergency and someone's having a heart attack, hopefully, you know, people don't panic and they respond calmly. Many of them do a fantastic job at that. Many of them don't, but, uh, you know, that's a work in progress. But the point is that just fact, like you mentioned, uh, specific examples. I'm just that if I'm a healthcare worker right now, biggest takeaway is that it's a understand, identify what you're doing, understand happening. Your 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 body, your mind, you can't just keep on going like this forever. You can't make this the new normal. You, your whole life, you're working 40 hours a week, and now the 75 is the new normal, and you're used to getting you know. Six hours, seven hours, maybe of sleep a night, and then you're getting two or three when you're really, you know, doing your third shift in a row, and th- th- that is not sustainable. Like you said, yeah, I'll just take another coffee, right? Take another energy drink or whatever else I need to keep myself going. It, it just understand that it's okay for that situation not to work. There are things you can do. Now, one person may say that I'm going to work on myself. You know, I'm not meditating. <laughs> you know, that's I'm not going to start thinking and breathing and looking at apps or anything like that. I can walk down the hallway. I'm running away. You know, prepare yourself. You have that resource, uh, someone that you, you know that you can speak to. So that can make this more uh, practical and also we won't have more people ending up in random people's basements. Um, any other practical tips or thoughts on this that you want to you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? We already condensed so much valuable content that we've had, but uh, any final thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Well, from an organizational standpoint, I would encourage organizations to really be mindful of what stress can do to the people who are serving um, mentally, physically, 
there's some great tools for checking in. So even when, when employees are coming in, giving them a five-point system, where are you on this mental health scale right now? Um, so if they're checking that they're at a level four or five on, I feel very stretched, I feel pressure, it would be perfectly fine for that, that shift supervisor to check in maybe more than once during that shift. Say, hey, how are you doing? Anything you know you want to talk about? Can I get help you? Can I get you through? And of course, I'm not talking of this when we are like, you know, in the extreme situation where no one has one second of time. And, and I feel like we're coming out of some of those crisis, crisis situations, hopefully. But acknowledging that people who are serving might not be at a full, like, even keel and, and checking in daily, just saying, where are we? Where do you stand? How can we support you? What more, you know, could we be helping, talking? What can we be talking through? And these, again, we don't have to have half-day seminars to make this stuff happen. It can be two minutes in the hall, say, you know, with a quick check-in. So that would be so, what I like about what you just said now is also because on an individual level, they may not be willing to invest even a few minutes in their own mental health, and they may not see it as a priority. And like, you know, I'm tough. I could deal with this. I've seen other stuff. Um, but an organization has the added incentive that they need to have healthcare providers or else they're out of business. There's no one to care for their residents. So for them, they, they can actually help empower uh, their staff by identifying it. And, and it's not, and I also like Doug, he says that this is not complex, it's not rocket science, it's not something that means you're restructuring a whole organization, you don't have to hire anybody. You don't have to fire anybody. You don't have to add anything to the budget. But you may have to get set up initially to know what you're doing. But even just right now, anybody who's listening and is involved in an organization and has the ability to start doing this right now, you can do it with your coworkers. You can do it with yourself. Uh, if you manage, you know, if you manage um, others, you can do it with those that report to you. And by, you know, the more systemic it is, you know, the more sustainable it will be and probably successful. That's fantastic. Um, Kathy, uh, it, where is the best place to send people that want to learn more about you, about your training, about your book, and everything that is Kathy Theory? Yeah, it's it's super simple. It's www.kathy with a K, K A T H Y Perry with an A, P A R R Y dot com. Okay. And if anyone specifically would like my resilience toolkit, they can email me at kathy at kathyperry.com and I can send them out a downloadable resilience toolkit. There's several exercises you can do in a team setting, you know, 10 ways to stay energized, uh, 10 top ways to handle differing reactions. So there's a lot of good stuff in there if they want it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So that's Kathy at kathyperry.com, which is K-A-T-H-Y-P-A-R-R-Y.com. Uh, Kathy, thank you very, very much for sharing uh, what you've shared on the Nursing Home Podcast. And for all the viewers on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and those who are listening at the Nursing Home Podcast.com, uh, head on over to the Nursing Home Podcast.com to check out all the other episodes that we've uh, recorded and turned over there many of them pertaining to coronavirus, the COVID-19 outbreak, and uh, various ways to manage uh, to manage this process. So again, thank you, Kathy, for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. And a special thank you to all the um, caregivers out there who are serving. You're much appreciated and take care of you.
Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.